This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. You know, moving forward is, is not just about our lives moving forward. It's about moving, helping someone else move forward and touching and impacting lives. Last week we looked at moving forward from our past. If you are connected to your past, if your past is weighing you down, you're not going to move forward. And we have to do some things with the past. The word says, leave it behind and move forward. And you can listen to last week's because I'm not going to uh, go back into that. But you have a right to be free from your past. You know how many people are, are being dragged and held down from their past? Many. They're angry, they're sorrowful, they're, they're a victim, they're just weighed down, and it's hard to run the race when you're weighed down. But the Word of God is very clear what we're to do, and we're going to look at the Scripture uh, again in Hebrews 12, verse 1. It says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside... Does it say, let God lay him aside? Who's to lay him aside? We are. This is our responsibility. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. You lay these weights aside. You lay the sin aside. You're looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we've got to recognize these weights and lay them aside in our life. We've got to recognize sin in our life and lay it aside. Because the truth is, to get rid of that sin, I want to talk about sin, you need the help of God. You can't change yourself. Anybody come to that, that place that you realize you can't change yourself? Only God can change you. So what you do, you bring the sin to the cross, you ask forgiveness, and you ask for God's help, and he'll change you. He will cause you to walk in a place free from sin. After all, the Word says that sin no longer has its power over you. To have dominion over you. So we bought into a lie. We say sin is so powerful. But the word of God says it's not powerful. To the believer, it's lost its power. So maybe we need to be speaking that this thing that you're struggling with doesn't have that much power. That the power of the cross far supersedes this thing. And in the name of Jesus, I lay it to the side. And I take up the grace of God and the power of God to enable me to walk free from this. Because a great price was paid for me to be free from it. God didn't want you to get saved and then be weighed down with all these weights and all this sin. And you're a fruitless tree. You're going around and somebody's looking for some fruit. See, some people need for you to lay aside some weight and to lay aside the sin where you can bear fruit 
and they can be born again. They need to be able to pick something from your tree, your life, and see a difference. It shouldn't be that a Christian looks and acts just like the world and just blends in. We're to be different. And that difference will cause people to take notice. And even more so in this day and time, it's evident those that are walking with God and those that aren't. We're supposed to be winning people to Jesus. We're supposed to be encouraging the believers. We're supposed to be reaching out, being light, making a difference to the world around us. People need us. People need us to move forward and not just be this victim, not just be this one ensnared by sin and acting like the world, taking the counsel of the ungodly. Lay aside the sin in your life. And, and here's the thing, when you, uh, in the past, maybe there's been some things you're not proud of, some sin but you can't let that snare you down. You can't be enslaved by that and captured by it. You've got to lay it to the side. You've got to get God's perspective the way he looks at that past sin and take a hold and, uh, of what God did. Pastor Rob taught a series on alignment. You need to align yourself with what God said and stop believing the lies of the enemy. If God said it, that's the truth. That's your final answer. That's it. He's not changing. It's still the same. So we walk with him. And we listen to him. And we align our beliefs to what he says. And it's a lifelong process. But if you believe what the New Testament says about you, there's no place for whining and complaining. A oh, pastor, I thought we were talking about sin. We are. Whining and complaining. It's amazing to me. I don't get on Facebook a lot, but it's amazing to me the division in the body of Christ and how it's become a place to complain and whine. A place to divide. <laughs> the enemy's having the heyday with it. Think about Joshua and Caleb. You know, they believed God to go into the promised land. And they took what God said. God said, I've given you the land. Go in and possess it. And what did the others say? The children of Israel were ready to stone them. And all they were doing was saying what God said. Said, well, we would like to go in, but we can't. We should, we should, but... We can't. We're just, we're too weak. We can't do it. And Joshua and Caleb saying, let's go in. God's given us the land. It's ours. But see, we have to take what God says about us. Your past is past. When God sees you, he says some things about you that's pretty remarkable. That you can get past any depression, any sadness, anything coming against you that's haunting you, weighing you down, or sin from the past. Because he says that you are the redeemed. Yes. 
that he pay the price for you. He says that you're blameless, that you're holy, that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He said that you're accepted, that you're forgiven. You're a part of the beloved. You're the apple of his eye. You're the love of his heart. He paid a great price for you. He values you. That's what he says about you. But the lies of the enemy says, oh, I know what you did in the past. Who do you think you are? Well, you need to tell him who you think you are. Who you know you are. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. Well, and what made you such hot stuff? Jesus. I had nothing absolutely to do with it. He did it. I recognize me, but I also recognize him in me and what he did for me. And we have to get that mindset and move past those failures, those disappointments, those missed opportunities, those things from the past. And we need to get God's picture of us. Because his picture of you on his refrigerator, you look awesome. You look absolutely awesome. And it's not the question like Pastor Rob is saying, it's not the question that's God love you. The question is, do you love God? It reminds me of Peter. You remember after the resurrection, Jesus is on the beach cooking up some fish and chips. And they've been fishing, and they recognize it's Jesus on the shore. Peter jumps out of the boat, and he swims in. And they had a little conversation, and Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? What a question. I mean, I could see Peter going, Jesus, do you still love me? Because he denied him three times. Do you still love me? I messed up. I'm, I made a mistake. And do you still love me? But that wasn't the question. Jesus said, do you still love me? He said, well, if you do, feed my sheep. In other words, if you love me, there's a mission to accomplish. There's a world to change. There's a light to bring. There's darkness in the earth. But you are called to bring forth good news of glad tidings. We're living in a dispensation of grace and good tidings. Folks, we're in the good news part. We should be glad, not mad. We have something to be happy about, to be joyful about. But it depends on what you're looking at. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You keep your eyes on him. We know how much Jesus loves us. He went to a cross and paid a, a horrific price for our salvation. Do we love him? Are you willing to change some things in your life because you want to honor him? Because everything that he bought and purchased, I want him to get. And it honors him 
every time he receives what he purchased. And he purchased me. So I laid down my life as a living sacrifice. Because his great love has constrained me and overwhelmed me and changed my life. There's nobody like Jesus. Amen? Amen. I tell you what, that, that weight of distraction, it's not, a, not a, per se a sin, but that weight of distraction. I, I could just, how many have been praying for that loved one that's lost? Or have you quit and given up and just turned on blue bloods? That one, that, that son, that daughter that needs to be turned towards God. And you're watching as the world turns and you've gotten so busy, distracted, that the main thing is not the main thing. But your prayers are powerful and changes things. Do you still love him? You have to come to a point you refuse to live in debt to your past. And you're ready to move forward with your life. In Psalms 126, verse 1, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are Glad. It's Old Testament. It's like being saved. It's like a dream. In fact, one translation said, too good to be true. It's like it's unreal. When you look at what God has done for us and the price that was paid for us, it's like a dream. It's like too good to be true, but it's true. He paid the price for us to be a part of the family of God. And to live for all eternity with him in a perfect place called heaven. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Then we're going to come to earth and he's going to change the earth and make it perfect. God paid a huge price to make us glad. And when people should be saying, look what the Lord has done for them. God has done great things for us. Well, you don't understand. My family can't be glad. There's too much that happened. Too much has taken place. Too much water under the bridge. All things are possible to him that believeth. Our God's power's not been shortened. He's still the most powerful one that exists in the universe, and nothing is impossible for him. He said, I can do above what you can ask or think now when I think I can think of some pretty big things but he said his power is above what I can ask or think whoa you have not because you ask not maybe we need to get back in in prayer and start asking some things If every prayer that you prayed was answered, would it, what would it look like? Would any lives be changed? Would it make any difference? 
Some of you need to lift your sights in prayer and start praying something. Instead of... All my prayers were answered and everybody's going, oh, he got a new car. I'm talking about something bigger. Have your new car. Have your neighborhood saved. Okay. Past sins leave shame, guilt, remorse, regrets. Apply the cross to your mistakes. Isaiah 53, 5. Amplified, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. Chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. This speaks of the substitutionary work of the Lord Jesus Christ. This thing worked that God applied my sins, my guilt, my shame, my iniquity. He, he applied his death, Jesus' suffering, his substitutionary work to my account. And my debt is paid. Now, if your debt is paid, why are you letting it stress you out? Why are you letting it weigh you down? Why are you carrying past sins that have been covered by the blood if it's not bothering God, why is it bothering you? Because we don't know the truth. We're not believing the truth. So we're going to look at a few of these things. But he took the punishment for me to have peace in my soul, my mind, will, emotions, my understanding, my reasoning, my imagination. He paid the price for me to have peace there. Some people believe before they're saved their sins are forgiven, but not after they're saved. Ever known someone like that? This terrible thing happened and they go, it's my fault. I knew better. I heard some people. I'm already saved. Yeah, you, you describe sin. Let me help you. Before you get saved, you need Jesus' forgiveness. After you get saved, you need Jesus' forgiveness. You're not perfect. Oh, you're surprised to find that out. We all knew it. Jesus knew that to sacrifice, the, the payment of blood would still need to be applied. And you need forgiveness. Learn from it. Move from it. Don't get stuck there. Move past it. I was talking to a, a, a friend. He manages people at a large corporation. And he said the biggest problem he had was people getting over mistakes. He had young people working for him, and they were afraid at first. He had to teach them to make a decision because they were afraid of making a mistake. And then when they made a mistake, he said he had to pay for the mistake that they made. Then he had to pay for them to get over the mistake that they made. You can make mistakes, but move on. 
Well, Pastor, you're, what about sin? Sin is a big deal. Sin is terrible. Sin will, uh, the wages of sin is still death. Get help. You're, you're struggling with sin. Get help. Get forgiveness. Get God's grace on it. Come against it because it will pull you down. But after you mess up and get forgiveness, don't let it still be dragging and holding you down. Let it go. Move forward with God. Okay, Hebrews 9:12, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place. Once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Say once for all. And then say he had to do it twice. And after three times, once and for all. Blood and goats, uh, the sacrifice was every year because it didn't fully uh, take care of the problem. But this was once and for all. For all means all. For everyone that's ever lived, the price has been paid. Once and for all, their sin debt has been paid. That's good news. It worked for everyone. Well, Pastor, you got to understand, I didn't do any big sins. You make a pretty big one by speaking to me about this. But I didn't do, I, I was raised in a Christian home. And the big ones I just didn't do because I love the Lord. Let me help you, little disciple. Did you sin in the little ones any? Well, yeah. Yeah, there were some little ones every once in a while. I said, well, the Bible says that God looks at it like this. If you sin in one, you send them in all. God sees you guilty of all of them. But Jesus paid the price for every offense of the law for all of us as if we had done them all. Oh, never mind. <laughs> if you hang on to guilt and shame after Jesus bore that part, the punishment, the thing that was attached to sin, you're saying the cross was non-effective. You're, you're saying he didn't finish the work. Well, you just don't know what I did. Oh, you special one. That even the blood of Jesus, the holy divine blood was not enough for you. It was once and for all, except Bob, or except whoever. No, it's for all. Your sin's no different than anyone else's. We're all in the same boat. Stop being so self-righteous. And humble yourself before God. None of us are going to stand before God and start trying to justify ourselves. Well, you know... Jesus already didn't need your blood. No, I was almost there. I, yeah, I, I guess I did sin the day before I died. I was 120 and I let something slip. I'm not young, go there. Or you have the other side, somebody say, well, Jesus done so much for me all already. I, I don't need the shame and guilt and this anger and you know, this abuse, uh, uh, this 
this to leave me. I, you know, I'm just going to camp out here and live here. It's all right. Jesus done so much for me already. He did save us. He saved me. You're never going to repay him back anyway. You're always going to be a debtor to, to what Jesus did for all eternity. He will always get the praise and always get the worship for all eternity. You might as well take it all. And live with some joy and some peace where you can stop looking like a sour old lemon and win somebody else to Jesus. Hebrews 10 verse 12. But this man after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Say forever. It's once for all and forever. We're not a billion years from now going to have a redo. It says forever. It's done deal. It is finished. It was done forever. More good news. Can anybody in here really comprehend forever? No, we can't. But this sacrifice was so strong. I'm telling you, one drop of the blood of Jesus, that divine, holy blood, washes us completely clean forever. Well, that sounds too good to be true. Well, it's true. Verse 14, by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You mean you and I have been perfected forever? We're not going to be in heaven a billion years from now. Bob, would you please report to the office? Yes, Gabriel. Knock, knock. Come in, Bob. Listen, uh, your sins have come up with uh, a strong aroma to God the Father. And he said, your time's up. <laughs> this thing has run out. <laughs> um, and we're sorry. We really are, but we're not going to sacrifice Jesus again. So, have a good time in hell. <laughs> No, no, we've been perfected forever. Heaven's a perfect place, and he made your spirit perfect, a new creation, and you get to go to a perfect place because you're perfect on the inside because you are like him. Mm. Verse 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts and their minds. I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will. What? Remember no more. What? Once and for all, forever. Perfected Forever. He forgets. He doesn't remember them. You know how many Christians are going over and over to God? 
Oh, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done this. I blew it. I shouldn't have threw that rock in my neighbor's car. And then I lied about it. I shouldn't have done that. I know it. Or I shouldn't have divorced this one. I shouldn't have done that to my boss. I'm the one that flattened every tire on his car. I shouldn't have done this. This and that. Oh, if I hadn't have divorced this one. Oh, if I hadn't have married this one. And God's up there just shaking his head. I don't know what they're talking about. Because he chooses not to remember. If God doesn't remember it, maybe we should take it to the cross. Take that memory to the cross and get free from it. Hallelujah. Remembers no more. Then verse 18, now where there is remission of these, there's no longer an offering for sin. You know what your offering is? The shame, the guilt, carrying it for years because you feel guilty. Offering's been made. There is no more offering for sin. It's been paid in full. It'd be like Michael taking me out to lunch. And Michael says, I'm going to pay for it. I said, okay, Michael, I'm very hungry. I want the biggest steak. (laughs) And Michael pays for it. And then I'm in the argument and said, no, I won't pay for that. And the, the waitress, she just, you know, it's already paid for, sir. I can't go back and undo it. And we're, we're in an argument. No, look, I need to pay for that. Sir, it's been paid for. She gets the manager. Sir, it's been paid for. If you want to pay your friend back, you pay him. I go, here, Michael, he goes, those on the ground. So, Pastor, I'm going to pray for you. There's something wrong. <laughs> See, we're carrying stuff that Jesus has already dealt with. We need to be free. Like I said, sin is terrible. I, I don't want to downplay sin. It is. It opens the door to the enemy. Just read the Old Testament and you'll see how terrible sin is. <laughs> you look at Jesus, the price that was paid for our sins, it's horrific. It's horrible. It's terrible. You need to run from sin. But also, when you do mess up, you need to know you've been forgiven. That you are accepted before God. And you can move forward with your life. Well, bless God, no one's ever given me anything. I've worked hard for everything I got in my life. Well, you can't work for this one. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. It's a gift. Colossians 2, verse 13. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive of Christ For he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. 
and took it away by nailing it to the cross. You know, heaven keeps some good reports. But when your records looked at, my records looked at, those things we've done against God, against love, is wiped out. Wow. Pretty great redemption that we have. So therefore, I can live free from guilt and shame and no regrets. I'm being humble when I let go of the mistakes and give it to God. When I let go of the failures and the sins and the weights. I'm being humble before him. So I can't handle this. I give it to you. And he takes it from us. Romans 8, 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Is it Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who even at the right hand of God also makes intercession for us? See, when there's a sense of condemnation and guilt and fear and inferiority, it's not from God. Jesus is praying for you. It's either from the accuser or the brethren or from your own self, your own mind. Well, pastor, shall I feel bad when I sin? Yes, I'm glad you do. But get rid of it. Give it to God. <laughs> God is not condemning you. Jesus is not condemning you. He's praying for you. Your mind is no match for the justification that comes through Christ. Your memory thinking is no match for the finished work of the cross. Yield and submit your soul to the Lord. You are, you are justified or righteous. See, there was a... I came before the supreme court of the universe and the judge examined me and he said, not guilty. Not guilty. Hallelujah. That makes me glad. That gives me joy inside. Knowing that God the Father, the judge, the Holy One, judge me not guilty. I was found blameless. I was found forgiven and found redeemed. I was found to be free from shame, guilt, and fear. I was found to be holy. I was found to be more than a conqueror. I was found to be forever perfected in Christ. I was adopted as the judge's son. <laughs> my lawyer became my big brother. My big brother became my Lord and Savior. Closing 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons for warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought to captivity to the obedience of Christ. The Bible says we're not to give the enemy a, a, a foothold. What, what's a foothold? When you climb a, a, a rock wall, a foothold is where you place your foot. And it says the enemy through a through the lies and the, and the deception, not knowing the truth, he can gain a, a foothold. 
And it's, as he gets more secure and you, steep, you keep believing the, the lies, he starts building a fortified city or a fortified building in your mind and becomes a stronghold. True. But see, we can cast down the stronghold. You can take the truth of God's Word and start casting down, tearing down that stronghold. You can take authority that you have in the name of Jesus and tear that thing down. How does the enemy do it? I tell you how he does it. He whispers in your ear in the first person. He wants you to think that it's your thoughts where you'll condemn yourself. But actually, he is whispering to you and saying things that are lies. He's talking about your past, or he's saying it'll never work, or said the promises of God are not true. Even God has turned his back on you. All these things he's speaking in the first person, and we start receiving it because we think it's us. And the enemy gets a foothold, and he keeps on with these lies until they are established in us as truth. And that thing is a fortified city that will be defended by you. You will defend the lie that the enemy has spoken to you. That's the reason you got to stay in the Word of God. That's the reason we need to stay in the Word to hear the truth where we can know the truth and the truth that we know will set us free because there's a whole bunch of lies out there in the world. There's a culture that's anti-Christ but at the same time, there's a culture of in Christ, for Christ, called the church of the living God that's to rise up and believe the truth, believe the Bible, believe what God says, and move forward with our lot. Share this one little story, this true story. A woman had... She had a sudden desire for, to drink alcohol. Now, she had never drank because her father was an alcoholic, abusive drunk. And she made up her mind she would never drink. And she said she was actually in the kitchen washing dishes, and this overwhelming desire to go drink came on her. And she thought the desire was hers. And it was powerful. And she even, she spoke to her husband, said, you won't believe what happened to me. I was doing the dishes and all of a sudden I had this desire to just go out and just drink. And, and now her husband was, had a similar type thing. He had saw some destructive things that happened through drinking and, and he didn't drink. He had never drank either. He said, that's, that's really weird because this afternoon, when I went up on coffee break, I had this overwhelming desire to get with a buddy after work and go to a bar and start drinking. And then their, their teenage son, they were talking, and the teenage son admitted that he had been sneaking and drinking. What was going on? Sometimes it's the enemy putting things, speaking things into your life. He wants to not only bring a thought, he wants to bring the feelings with it. 
See, whoever has access to the mind, that mind, will, and emotions, you know, thoughts create feelings. It's uh, one of the greatest strategies that the enemy uses. He comes with the thought, and the feelings come with it, and you think it's you. You think something's wrong with you, or you want to go fulfill that desire. But the Lord spoke to the wife and said, that was the enemy. That wasn't even you. And they knew what to do then. They came against it. Some was set free. They're all set free. But you got to discern the voice of God and the voice of the enemy. Because the enemy will speak to you too. And he'll give you some thoughts and tell you some things. But you can take authority over that. Let's, let's look quickly. And, and, and next week I'm going to show you the progression of the kingdom of God. How it, uh, the process of getting you free. Freedom from the past, number one. Receive what the Lord says about you and repent of the lies you've been believing about yourself. You need to repent of the lies because what you've done, you've actually exalted something above the Word of God. Let me say it another way. When you exalt something above God, what's it called? Idol. An idol. So you repent of having an idol in your life. Uh, exalting something against or contrary to what God says. Number two, renounce the lies and replace them with the truth. Number three, surrender to the Lord, take authority over any condemnation, fear, guilt, and inferiority, casting it out of your life. And see, when you look at the definition of righteousness, it's the opposite of this. Number four, understand the enemy will speak lies to you in the first person, causing you to think it's your own thoughts. And number five, every day get into the Word of God, feasting on the truth to resist the lies of the enemy. Let's stand up. To you lift your hands? I'm going to do the, the blessing uh, again. The Lord has instructed me to do this because I'm speaking the Word of God over you. This is all scriptures. So lift your hands and receive this. God has blessed you with all the promises of the new covenant in Christ being yes and amen. Therefore, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I bless you with ability, abundance, clear direction, a controlled and disciplined life. I bless you with courage, creativity, wisdom, understanding, God's favor and man's favor. God bless you with good health, fulfillment of God's dreams and visions for your life contentment, a listening ear. God bless you with long life, obedient heart, God's peace, a pleasant personality, promotion, protection, provision, safety, strength. God bless you with revelation, knowledge, expectant faith, and success. I bless you with goodness and mercy following you all the days of your life. I bless your ears to hear the lovely, the uplifting, and the encouraging, to shut out the demeaning and the negative. I bless your hands to be tender, helping hands to those in need. Hands that bless. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord makes his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lifts up his countenance upon you and gives you peace because of the finished work of the cross. If this morning, if you need the Lord Jesus Christ, everyone just bow your heads for just a moment. The greatest decision that you can make in this life is to make him Lord of your life. That means you surrender your life. That, that means your life is no longer yours but his. But it's the greatest life that you can live. It's living in him. He loved you so much that he, he sacrificed his life. He spilled his blood. He took your sins and my sins. He took our sickness, our disease, our infirmities. He took our guilt, our shame. He took emotional instability and torment and oppression and depression. He took it all for us where we could be free where we could be free to love him back, where we could be free to be a part of his family. It's your choice. He won't force you. He just says, come. Come as you are. Come the way you are. And I'll come and live in you. That's you today. If you lift your hand and say, I want Jesus today. Or maybe you prayed this before, but you realize today you haven't been living for God and you're ready to get serious with God, that's for you too. You want in this place. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Any others? Thank you, Father. We have about three people. There's someone else. The Lord told me five people. Everybody shut your eyes for just a moment. Two more people need to respond to this. And your heart's beating fast. You're saying, I don't know what people will think. But you know it's you. And I want you to just say, it's me. Lift your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Who's that last one? Okay. Thank you. Father, we thank you for all these that have accepted you today. All these that have come home to you today. We recognize, Lord, that there is no salvation except by you and by your spirit. We give you honor today. We truly love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for paying a great price where we could be a part of your family. We're forever grateful eternally thankful for that blood and the price that was paid. We give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a